welcome to Movie Buffs, a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Cisco, a.k.a. Misfit Minded. You can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And I'm your host, Shani B, and you can find me on all the socials at It's Me, Shani B. Today we're talking about the 2013 film World War Z starring Brad Pitt. If you haven't seen it, it's about a retired UN investigator who exper- whose expertise is required to find the origins and hopefully the cure for a worldwide zombie outbreak. Shani B, are you a fan of this movie? What do you love? What do you hate? I love this movie. I'm a huge fan of it. I've been wanting to rewatch it for a while. I just had a vibe that I was like, something about this movie is calling me back. And I love it still. The tension, the something about how I don't really love zombie movies, but this one finds a way to keep me engaged or finds a way to make me feel like it's a little bit more grounded or something. Mm hmm. I don't know. It's it's interesting because I don't usually like zombie movies, but I really like it. Everything comes out of nowhere in a way that should be predictable, but doesn't feel like it to me. BP stays so calm. (laughs) It's just a little bit different. You know, it has all the things you want in a zombie movie, but there's something different about it that really sticks with me. And I just I love how they bowl over each other like it's in a big old wave. It's just there's so many things that are unique about this. So I love it. What about you? What do you think? Nice. Uh, Well, first of all, I think that's that's crazy that you just had like a feeling or something like that, because today is the 10 year anniversary of World War Z. So like the timing couldn't have been more like better. (laughs) I thought you did that on purpose, to be honest. But yeah, I knew it was coming up. I just didn't remember when it was. So I that's amazing. Okay. yes. Yes. Yeah. 10 years ago today, I kind of like this movie. Interesting. I have some caveats, which we'll get into, but I don't know. Personally, I'm an old school zombie fan. And so in that vein, I just think there's like so many examples of zombie movies that do this and do it better are actually R-rated, have that gore that you expect from zombie movies. This is PG-13. Um, so for just to name off a few, I mean, I'm wearing my walking dead shirt, I guess the first couple seasons of walking dead, I would put up there 28 days later train to Busan. Um, they all do this kind of like fast zombie thing. I just think a little bit better, honestly, Mm. I will agree with you that I think the groundedness and the realism of this movie in particular still hold up and like as a big budget, you know, blockbuster zombie action movie you know, that tried to capitalize on The Walking Dead and how popular zombies were. They did a, they did a pretty decent job of that, um, especially when you consider just how troubled the production was, Yep. which we'll get, in, we'll get into um, a little bit here. Yeah, I'm with you. I think the zombies, you know, the imagery of the zombies, like flinging their bodies around like they're being controlled by someone else. Right. Is, is definitely what stands out. Well, The Last of Us, too, that's another, I think I've talked about that before on here. That's another example of, like, they do something very similar, but I just think the storytelling is just a lot more solid. But I do love the setting of, like, a post-apocalypse, and zombie movies usually allow for that. For sure. So I I do dig on that. Um, And Brad Pitt, of course, being in a horror movie, which I wish he would do more of. Uh, I think that's, like, one spot of his impeccable resume of movies i'm a huge brad pitt fan but i just think like 
outside of this and like seven maybe it's just it's lacking it's lacking a little bit in the horror category so yes <laughs> very true yeah i think that is that is the critique i have of this movie too is that like the way the story is told and the storytelling pieces there they leave a lot to be desired like i think you can tell that this movie was strangely put together and pieced together in many ways. And honestly, I think the things I like about it have more to do with like why I would watch a zombie story than they do with like actually executing this type of thing the way that true fans want to see it. I mostly like this movie because it's about a guy who's looking to cure this virus. And that is where the focus stays, even though that does mean little effects, little gore, little exposition or something. Because the exposition in this film is so interesting, it really does feel like it's always only very directly related to like where to next. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it it does make sense that like you like this one more than me, but you're not that much of a zombie fan because like that exactly that checks out because this isn't your typical zombie movie. Uh, I just thought of another one, Zombie Land One and Two. I love those movies. Have to shout those out. <laughs> oh, we should do that on the show. Yes, because those are really those are action packed uh, zombie movies too. So, if I, the more I think about it, the more I'm gonna be coming up with like different examples of like it, it is a very iconic like horror trope or like horror. Um... I mean, it's a genre that makes so much sense. People are so good. It, people are so good at figuring out how to reinvent a zombie movie. And I think that's another reason why I like this movie. But I understand that this movie is not that powerful because the most it reinvented was like, oh, what if zombies just moved around like they were a virus so they would bowl over each other? Mm -hmm. And like, that's cool. But that's not quite enough. Not certainly not when we have such prestige zombie content nowadays. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the, the Last of Us, it's reached prestige TV now yes. with HBO. So it's it's definitely come like full circle. Mm -hmm. um, and then even Walking Dead, I know there's like a spinoff going on right now. So it has, even though the original show is over, mm -hmm. the Walking Dead brand is still churning out. There's something to that, too, that like even how zombie movies started is they come from this place of like there's something wrong with these people and we don't know why they're behaving like they're behaving but it was more of like a social commentary experiment yeah and this movie is so biologically focused i think i also like that too where like they do the countdown to figure out how long it takes a person to turn mm -hmm. and i feel like that kind of fun stuff sometimes zombie movies are so fast and so intense that they don't have time for some of the practical stuff that like a viewer like me feels really grounded and like I can hang on to this ride if you give me some of those things. You know what I mean? Yes. I so to get into our questions and plot holes section here. I did I didn't have that down but you just made me remember that that when I was watching it last night the count I was a little maybe you can fill it in because because um I was a little confused. So I know like that's one of the things I do like is that everything is from Brad Pitt's POV. Hell yeah. His character and so like It'll show some action, but then it'll cut to Brad Pitt reacting to the action. Watching. So we get to so we get to see him like processing it, which I think was very effective. Yes. And so when he the he he first sees someone get bitten and then he counts down like how long it takes for them to turn. I get that. But then when they meet, um, he first meets the army guys and he's like kind of investigating. Don't they say like some of the guys turned, it took like 10 minutes or something like that. Like one of the guys says that. So 
he he really relied on that counting technique throughout the whole film and i was like well the guy said that the turning was different for some people so i i don't know i guess i was confused do they explain that well i feel like i think i just made sense of it for myself because i don't know that they really thoroughly explained exactly what they meant i think i was looking at it from that pathological space Mm -hmm. of like the initial virus affects people a certain way and then it starts mutating ah okay I thought he was trying to decide, okay, by the time it got to New York, within 10 seconds or 12 seconds or whatever, Mm -hmm. it's happening. But when I go to the origin, it took a lot longer to actually turn these people and it didn't turn this one guy. So I feel like it was kind of cool how it feels a lot like a video game to me. Oh, yeah. But like a little bit of a boring one. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Every level has another piece of information for you, but it's not... It's not that scary in each of these places. It is a little bit more nerdy. <laughs> no, I was I was reading some of the criticism, like the reviews of the time mm-hmm. of this movie. And that was definitely a criticism that a lot of the critics had of like, it's just there's no characterization. There's no you don't know anything about this guy other than he cooks pancakes for his family. Yeah. And then other he that- worked at the UN somehow, <laughs> yeah. like was in Fallujah. They like use words that I'm like, I think I've heard these words. He's like a legend. He's like a legendary UN worker. Like you just, you yeah. just go with it that like, yeah, Brad Pitt is that guy pretty much at the UN pretty much. But that makes sense though. I do like that. If they would have just said that, I would have bought it. Like they would have just said like it's progressed or something. I'd be like, okay, that makes sense. But yeah, it, they ju- it just kind of threw me because I was, I was like, okay, I like this, you know, countdown thing that he has that makes sense to me. But then mm-hmm. that line, I got, I kind of just had it in the back of my head, and I was kind of like wrestling with it. But especially because he talks about how, like, as an investigator, he was investigating war crimes, right. <laughs> So that doesn't mean he was like any kind of biological detective the way that like Kate uh, Winslet's character was in Contagion. Oh, another similar type movie that I love. I, I love Contagion. So fucking good, dude. Contagion is really good. <laughs> yep. They had to fudge kind of details. And that brings me back to wondering about how it was cut and put together. Because to your point, people said that it was a weird production and that they like had to do a whole bunch of heavy lifting to make it work. Reshoots. Yeah. Yeah. I have to imagine that's got to have something to do with like how very weirdly it's paper mache together. I think so. And like I get like that was kind of the the reception at the time too was like it's a miracle that this is even like a coherent movie at all <laughs> for how much they had to like cut and paste and like add to it. Like I, I think the whole conclusion at the the who or who center yeah like getting uh i think that was all reshot or something like i want to say so and that's like a huge set piece i'm glad like yeah (laughs) the family part definitely could have been snip snipped out of there like i just they didn't do anything the wife is just like waiting by the phone the whole time yeah almost gets them killed (laughs) by calling (laughs) well it was so yeah it was so weird i was like are you guys trying to say something about how like if something like this happens people's families are only safe if they're useful right because if you are then like follow through with that yeah and we don't see any other family either like with say if they met other people and they kind of had you know it shows their life living there or something like they're just there was nothing other than Again, his daughter has asthma. That was like the one other thing. Like, so. (laughs) 
it's true they were like trying to figure out how to run i guess like how to raise stakes and that's that is what makes it pretty friggin awkward when he is at the who at the end and he's like listen do you have a family because i'm trying to get back to my family yeah <laughs> and i was like whoa bp like don't forget a lot of people probably had families dude what are you doing and the guy says that <laughs> like yeah i did have a family but they were killed <laughs> Dude, how could he be so smart about so many things and totally miss that one? Not great. Not great. But I agree. Like the family stuff made no sense really because we didn't need it to raise the stakes. Like there's a good enough tension in what BP's doing, like with his eyes and performance. We were good on this this trope that makes no sense and doesn't really come into account. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like, I like the fact that, you know, if it would have just been like, we need you or whatever, but it was up to him whether or not like he went uh, and he still went. I would have been like, OK, I call it bullshit because like every any other guy would be like, I have a family. Mm. But then the fact that they were like, well, if you don't, your family's getting kicked out of sanctuary. I was like, OK, so that makes that makes a lot more sense than like, you know, you see in sometimes in these movies where it's like, daddy's got to go back to war because I mean, even with uh what was the the covenant when we said with Jake Gyllenhaal is like, well, I just got out of this crazy life situation. Let me go back to that. <laughs> and we were both like, what? Like, so. Yeah, I think that is exactly it, is that finding a way to make this, to make the stakes matter in this story is really weird just because I'm not sure what the original stakes might have been. I'm not sure what the intended stakes might have been. Right. I just feel like in the end, it does sort of look like the family stuff is purely to be like, that's right. People do stuff for their families right. when it could have just been like this guy is just just thinks it's important to try to stop this. Mm -hmm. He doesn't need a family to care about the human race, you know? Yeah. And my two last ones, this one's like what I, I'm kind of more forgiving of because so many movies do this of like the plane crash bit. And how Brad Pitt only gets like one little thing in his gut. Like, and it's just like, <laughs> dude, you, you guys completely wiped out. It wasn't like you fell in an open field and no. you landed like straight upright. Like it was like you burned out, crashed out. And he was like one of the only, and, and the, uh, the girl that he meet, the soldier, they somehow both survived. Yeah, thrown, but somehow alive. And then the, the I think this is the biggest one, honestly, because I still kind of want to see this version of world war z if they ever redo they hit the reset button mm -hmm. the only thing i know about the original book and like i know i think i have some friends that say it's not worth checking out or whatever amazing <laughs> but the only thing i know about it and this kind of like i was like well that sounds kind of interesting is that it's like a um what do you call it it's like it's told from multiple points of view oh and it's basically like a not a found footage but like Ba like interviewing different people around the globe dealing with the crisis or whatever wow and i was like that would have been so interesting like to do instead of like no offense to brad pitt but like going to different camps survival camps or and then somehow like trying to tie them together like with maybe uh so, so may maybe the main character in the book is like a brad pitt character going to these different locations and like okay journaling and taking notes so you know something like that yeah so i still want to see that version i thought that would have added a little more characterization like some goals for him to accomplish other than just like the vaccine which is like you know a worthy goal especially after covid like <laughs> yes it felt very real him trying to look for that um but i don't know i just thought 
I, like I said, I haven't read the book, but like that always sounded interesting to me that like that's the way it's told. And I don't think we've gotten like a zombie flick that does that. So well, certainly not, not, not in the way that we've been able to do in some of the TV. And I think right, that right. is why we want it in the movies because we know it's possible. We know it can be good. And yeah, this movie I think had to choose. And I don't know why it chose what it chose because I don't know what was going on in the background. Brad Pitt is also a producer on this too, which I think we should name. So I know that there was some uh, rumors that him and the director weren't getting along very well. Oh. So that that also could have played a part in like okay what what Brad Pitt wanted to do versus what was written for him. You know what I mean? There, okay. That could be something. All right. Yeah. Before we get into the writers and directors, the last thing I will say about this is I kind of wish there was a little bit more luring and like trapping and diversions used because it does kind of feel like somehow BP can go really slow and watch a lot of things Uh and still outrun these guys when they're moving the way they're moving. Yeah. And so I sort of wish that like just the way that he opened the soda machine at the very end to like make the noise and then walk (laughs) through the zombies. I wish that he was doing stuff like that the rest of the time i feel like when movies do stuff like that it's another way that it makes me feel like somebody could win and in most zombie movies like the the chance anyone's winning is like basically zero the second it starts so i like that shit and i want more of that shit that's the double-edged sword though with fast zombies which like i'm i guess i'm more of a slow zombie guy honestly because it's like I buy that we have more of a chance in that scenario. Totally. The, the fast zombie thing. I'm old, every time I watch a fast zombie movie, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yes. You know, I'm just like, we would be so fucked. Like, <laughs> there's. That's why we need traps. I need to be luring these fools into a quarry of fire, yeah. and I think that'd be fun. <laughs> and they use that in like Train to Busan. They're stuck on this train, and they have to deal with it. Uh, Dawn of the Dead remake. They're stuck in this mall, but then they use that as like kind of their fortification. Like so. It, it it allows for like different types of stories to be told in the zombie like lore, um. But yeah, I, I'm with you. Where it's like I'm just like Brad Pitt's just standing there watching, and I'm like, where's the zombies at? Like he's just standing there. He's not running. He's just no, no. <laughs> Especially because when they need the zombies to be uh, trademark zombies, they do come through in those moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, let's talk about uh, the writers and the director because yeah. I had no idea how many people, like how many important people worked on this movie with like Matthew Michael Carnahan and Drew mm-hmm. Goddard and Lindelof. Like, I can't believe that all these fools were here. Yeah. I also, looking at their uh, IMDb, I was like, wow, these guys have done a lot of shit. Yeah. It's kind of amazing because with all their, with the resume these dudes are packing, I'm surprised again that we're looking at what we're looking at in the final product. Not that it worked out, right? But that we're looking at it this way. And I think the amount, I want to say even more writers worked on this and they only got the credit for three. For sure. But it was part of that was because of the reshoots and the rewrites. Right. That like, I I want, I, I think I saw Lindelof was brought in to kind of rewrite that third act maybe okay. um, because I know they have a, a much more uh, big budget humans versus zombies, like battle thing, mm-hmm. like in Russia or something like that. Oh, okay. And they just were like, this is not believable. <laughs> like <laughs> We need something a lot more grounded. And like, so that's what we got. You got the WHO um, kind of like maze type thing, which I do actually really, like that might be my favorite zombie stuff in mm-hmm. the whole thing because again 
they're slower it's like more tense like that type of thing so it's a natural resting point as well yeah right like they have been on this journey collecting all these pieces of information and evidence to lead them to this place so it makes sense they would do it here in this way and that because we're in a zombie movie we can't just like make everything go right back to normal yeah we just need to like leave with hope and i feel like this does succeed in doing that yeah and i guess like maybe seeing this group does explain why sometimes it feels like we're watching three different people's movies <laughs> yeah then mark uh forster did directed it and the only like some of the only action stuff you can see on there is he did quantum of solace which not one of the best bonds to be honest so it's okay there's some stuff in it it's okay but it's true you know like it's not what i think of when i think of action directors though like our horrors directors what i'm saying like that's an interesting part of this too because when i was looking him up and i was like whoa monsters ball wait a minute <laughs> wait a minute that did make me think like oh that's probably why brad pitt is doing lots of drama eyes throughout this right and what drew him to do it. Yeah. Maybe that's why it's attempting to be so grounded and needed to keep the family stuff in there at all because he was like looking for, maybe Forrester was like trying to make the first epic dramatic zombie picture. Mm -hmm. And BP was like, dude, we gotta just make a good movie. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna win an Oscar for this. Like, uh... For real. <laughs> Staying on the filmmaking stuff, like what, filmmaking flourishes stood out to you i guess if any what i always think of when i return to or when i remember this movie is all the reds when they use the red stuff with the flare at the top mm. I, I just love how the color is something that can help remind me that like this is dystopian mm -hmm. so i feel like bp does get to be in a lot of places that seem like they're still kind of operating the way they would with or without it and so i do like the very uh harsh change that shows you like no no it's all going down out here it's bright red it's bright red mm -hmm. and then i guess just like how each of the sequences raise the stakes mm -hmm. that initial situation when they're at the grocery store yeah is very interesting and in how it's sort of like okay yeah they're looting everyone's in here everyone's in here oh no someone's missing yeah it progresses even in that scene and then with each sequence after like jerusalem the crash all of that stuff i feel like it's hard to pick, but I like how the filmmaking really seems like it's kind of slowly choking you as it goes. Mm -hmm. I guess, I guess like that is there, but it's also like not super powerful. I'm definitely giving it more space. <laughs> yeah, I like I, I like what you said about like you get to see like because we start off before the outbreak and you're with them pretty much the entire time. Like it's a kind of a real time ish uh you know movie so you see uh yeah the looting and i i do like that moment and i have to shout out that moment in the grocery store where he uh shoots the guy in self-defense and then the cop is like running what he thinks towards him and he puts his hands up like i'm under arrest and the cop's just looting too <laughs> that's a great moment we have no time for this guy sorry yeah. but you got you had to do what you had to do me too and then uh yeah the guy that helps them find the prescriptions too uh, who like he? You think that he's gonna, you know, shoot Brad Pitt? Just all that confusion and stuff like that. I think they did a nice job. And again, a lot of this stuff I think is even more effective because of COVID and you know the toilet paper shortage and the for real. It still feels fresh, I guess. And like you know, I watched Contagion too. Like 
when the pandemic first started and it's just like man they really kind of nail down a lot of what humans would do in this scenario <laughs> yeah that's what's cool about having movies like this and then having had our own real life experience with the pandemic is that like maybe we would have saw those movies and thought like hey that's extreme yeah but then we were like no i am in line yeah that's not that that's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am in line and they are telling me that there is a limit on how much toilet paper we I can, can get right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It was gnarly watching it, but I, I feel like the reason why I was in the mood is because I was like, I think I'm finally ready to revisit a world like this knowing it's not the truth. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm a sicko. Like, I do not recommend watching Contagion <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic. Like, that was definitely like a weirdo move on my part. But hey. I just, I, I kind of was like, well, let me see what we, I can learn from this movie. If there's any secrets, you know what I mean? Like, I just, that's, I, I had the itch. I'm like, if there's any time to watch that movie, like. <laughs> yeah, you wanted to just get in the zone. And I've and they did predict, like, you know, coming from, uh, like, an Asian country and then bring it in. And this one's the same thing. This was from a Taiwanese. They, well, I think there's, like, some confusion in this one a little bit more. But the first place they do say that brought the disease was Taiwan. So I was like, man, like, wow, what's going, what is in the water over there where there's an <laughs> amazing emerging life happening? It's pretty, <laughs> it's exciting. But yeah, I feel like that is part of it is the, the idea of like where all this comes from. And that is always going to stick with me. But I know Soderbergh did like mad research to make sure that was like as true to life as possible. Oh, yeah. And so I think that's why I, I that's the one I think of in tandem with this. We're like, mm -hmm. I like this movie, but like Contagion is the best one that does the scientific approach. Oh, for sure. I also was thinking of I Am Legend, which is like another one I really like where it's you get solo POV Will Smith by himself trying to survive the apocalypse basically so yeah that's like a whole other aspect to it but they are as like zombies and they're they're fast you know sort of sort of zombies too even though like uh i'm not sure if they call that them zombies in the source material or in the movie or whatever but i mean they they are <laughs> they're like the undead or whatever i feel like they kind of treat them more like vampires yeah but i i like how i am legend is basically about how we would create them with uh you know, like a vaccine, we're trying to cure cancer and we end up making vampires. Right, 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 right. And I kind of like that about Resident Evil, like mm -hmm. that about I Am Legend, I like that about Planet of the Apes. Yeah. I like when we're looking for worst case scenarios. Mm. We go too far. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's real too, because of the AI stuff. You know, even the guy who made AI quit and was like, well, I didn't know it was going to go this far. It's like, fuck you, man. Yes. <laughs> you should have known. You should have. All these movies say AI is the bad guy. You know what I mean? Like, come on now, Terminator. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like it. This this is an interesting one where the filmmaking. I don't know that it needs to work with storytelling outside of the that momentum. Mm -hmm. You know, like I feel like when the action sequences, and I guess I'll totally use air quotes because they're not like it's not like they're huge or sweeping. Right. But when they come there is pace it only really feels kind of like it dips when we're waiting for another sequence yeah and that's where it feels like a video game in a way where it's like those would be like the cutscenes or whatever and then everything else is like you trying to walk to the next destination or whatever yeah like what's in this box yeah for the filmmaking stuff i just had like the jerusalem siege which we haven't talked about yet like i feel like 
out of everything this movie gave us, like that's the most iconic image that I think about when I think of this movie is like them all climbing on top of each other to like get over the wall. And it's just like, yes. in that way, we haven't really seen uh, zombie movies do that to that extent. And that's only possible because of digital effects Yep, that we're even able to to make stuff on that scale on a global scale. So not all the digital effects like hold up necessarily, but like that's like one scene where it's like, holy shit, like what? Mm-hmm. Again, we I feel like we would not stand a chance in hell to <laughs> survive that. So. No, it's, it's such a good it's such an important part of the movie, too, in terms of like where it exists, because at the top of this movie, it's like we do the standard zombie thing happening. But Brad Pitt and his family escape. They're safe. Yeah. And that's usually a whole entire movie. Mm-hmm. So this time around, what's kind of awesome is they have to do it again in these other ways. Yeah. And it's a real turning point in the story when he's just like, I'm this investigator trying to solve <laughs> zombies. And then it's like, oh, shit. I don't know that you solving zombies is like even in the cards anymore because look at Jerusalem. Yeah. It's kind of nice how that works with the story. But like, again, I think the filmmaking just like made that happen. And the editor was like, ooh, ooh, and made that happen too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't make like Brad Pitt like a scientist or something like that. Because he just does not play. Like, he definitely reads as a Brad. Like, that's the perfect name. And, but, but like, yeah, like an investigator. Like, I can kind of buy that. Like, you know, like I was kind of getting some seven vibes. Yeah. You know, as he's like asking questions and kind of like yeah. interrogating, um, trying to find out like what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. Listening, thinking. Mm-hmm. And as far as performances, I think, you know, Brad, very solid action star lead. Um, and again, like stuff that I wish he would do more poor, but I, I get like, you know, he's probably at a stage of his life where he's like, I don't have to do that. Yeah. <laughs> It's just got to be good if he's going to say yes to it. And I think maybe this movie it was like the big teacher of that because Seven is so, so good. Mm-hmm. And he does a great job in this, but it's true. I don't know that like he necessarily is interested in finding the deeper level. But I will say James Badgedale being here as a soldier, mm-hmm. I forgot he's here, his little cameo. I love when he plays this type of guy, just like a person who's like, this is so serious and I know it's the end of the world, but like, here's a joke, you guys, because what else are we going to do? Yeah. Yeah. James Bashdale, I I, did, I forgot he was in here, too. And I do like that sequence, uh, especially like when uh, you pretty much know as soon as he gives Brad Pitt the ring and he's like, tell my wife I love her. But I'm like, oh, this guy is fucked. Like, <laughs> every time. That's something you know about Bashdale if he shows up. Yeah. But I do like the way like it plays out where like he gets bit and he's like. He like processes it for a moment. He's like, I'm a goddamn Zeke. And, and and then they're like, just give us the give us the the, the word or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. It, that just kind of made me laugh because we used to my friends, we used to call like everything Zeke at one point for no reason. I don't know. We just thought it was a funny word. I'll take it. So every time every time I hear Zeke now, I just start cracking up. So when he says, I'm a goddamn Zeke, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, it's like him and then David Morse being there as well. So good. Yes, that was the other one I was going to shout out with like no teeth. That was like creepy as hell, dude. I was like, oh, man. He's the best. I love David Morse. He is so good at that, at being like, yeah. am I a sociopath psycho or am i just like a really soft guy that presents heart because i want to i want you to be nice to me yeah there's something so amazing in all of his performances and he is his him showing up here is also a great reminder yeah 
And they brought up a thing that I never really thought about, but when he was talking about like pulling out the teeth and like that's how they stop the infection. And I was like, man, I guess could that work? I know exactly. It's like, but because okay, twenty eight days later, for example, one uh, eye drop, one one blood <laughs> drop in the eye turns you into a uh, like infected. Yes. But then in this in this one, uh, Brad Pitt gets some in his like I think in his mouth or whatever, and that's it's still right. fine. So you're assuming that it's just the bite is how it transfers or whatever. So right. yeah, interesting. All, all zombie movies have different like kind of lore in that respect too. So yeah, that might be a, I think that could be a plot hole though. Like, as you pointed out, I'm sort of like, how does that work? If this is a biological contagion. I, I know, I know. And I kind of like wish they showed like some footage of that. Just like this city of people with no teeth. That would have been creepy as hell. <laughs> Yeah, it would be amazing. I mean, when he said it and they were like, and he had no teeth, I was like, shit, dude, how could they, a whole country of people in 24, that that was like a gnarly reminder that like, like you're saying, they're trying to find a way to maybe work in all the weird perspectives that the book was trying to cover that it probably had more time to. Cut. And like, even though, you know me, I love a movie. Yeah. Maybe this source material would have been better as a show and like should have been developed as such. But mm. The Walking Dead was the standard. So it's not like you're just going to try to come and compete with that. Exactly. Yeah, I know. I, I think I was reading something where the author said that the only thing that really transferred over from the book, in his opinion, was just like the main through line of the main character and not any of the <laughs> oh man, the the side uh, story. So you can't be precious about your art in entertainment because they're going to change it. I know. I, he, I mean, this movie made a lot of money. I mean, he's not he's probably not complaining from the check that he got from it. So no, just existentially, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, let's do let's put these together here. Which stunt and kill was your favorite uh, from this one? I mean, I think the doctor slipping and falling is the best kill of this movie. Oh, like, uh -huh. that was just so random. I was like, it's so good because I guess it's kind of like a reminder that this movie is idealistic. Anything can happen. Right. It's idealistic in the sense that like they've set out to find this thing. But it's idealistic. A dude like this could really survive this stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of comedic, but it's good. I was kind of shocked they gave him a gun. I was like, this is the scientist guy, Ugh. like the the lab guy. Why is, I mean, I guess to protect yourself. But I mean, even even Brad Pitt said something like what he's like, get your hand off the trigger or whatever. Like he was not ready because he wasn't ready. He wasn't ready. So I don't know that. Yeah, that was kind of hard to believe. Yeah. Because the other kills are kind of like the kills you'd expect here, but mm -hmm. that's pretty funny. And I think I really like the stuff on the bikes. Oh, yeah. So for me, this the little simple stunt of like these zombies flying out of nowhere and tackling dudes off bikes did kind of also make me giggle. There's kind of something funny about how like the stunts in that scene in particular are funnier than they are scary, but I'm okay with it. I'm into it. Mm -hmm. And so the bikes are weird too. So was that just so they could get to the plane faster? That's pretty. Is that? I think it was so they could get there faster quietly. But I was like, "You're doing this week." Okay, so the quiet part is where I, yeah, the quiet part is where I kind of brushed up on. Where I was like, "Is that really quieter than walking to the plane?" <laughs> like. I feel like, if anything, that's a little bit louder because, yeah, you heard the squeak of the... Yeah, I'm not sure of any of the reasoning behind it. But... <laughs> the wheels. 
And where do they get the bikes from anyway, too? That's another thing. Like, they just have all these bikes lying around. I don't know. Dude, I guess a lot of people just totally dropped dead right at their bikes. And so they must have gone around scooping bikes. What about you? What stunts or, like, kills really stood out to you? Stunts, I would say the plane crash. Just because I hate flying. Like, just the whole process of it. Like, not like... Not as like, I'm scared of flying. It's just like... It's annoying. Etiquette-wise, it's annoying. Yeah. And so it's like, being on a plane with zombies is a fucking nightmare. Like, that that just seems like, su- like such a nightmare to me. You're stuck on this tube with all these people, no fresh air, and there's nowhere to go. I have, like, long legs, so, like, I, my knees always hurt. Like, I'm fl- like, it's just that in particular, the way that that played out. Um, there's confusion there. And then like him finally pulling the pit on the grenade and just being like, all right, well, I hope this works. <laughs> yep. And then just the whole plane crash or whatever. So, I mean, this isn't the first movie where we've seen, um, you know, surviving a plane crash. Like we did the gray is another example of them surviving a plane crash in the snow. So it happens in action movies quite a bit so not that that much of a stretch but yeah zombies on a plane i'm like that could be a whole movie yes that should be the sequel (laughs) for real plane wasn't that a new movie hell yeah i saw (laughs) it it was amazing yeah (laughs) i still have to see that one yes he too crashed a plane with total grace it really was good air force one yeah another action one oh air force (laughs) one stellar yeah A plane has a place in an action movie, and I do think there being a crash here was fun, but it's a hard line to walk because it is pretty unrealistic at the same time. Yeah, I know. Yeah, and then he's buckled in. I do like, though, that when they are on the ground and it's like they're kind of, he's kind of trying to orient himself and there's still the zombie strapped in, like the lady that's strapped in, but she's a zombie (laughs) now. Yes. I thought that was a pretty funny, like, uh, touch. Yeah, she's the only other one that made it. Only lady with her seatbelt on. Yeah. (laughs) And then for the kills, I don't know. Like, again, I feel like this movie lacks the kill department because zombie movies always have these creative. It's not just headshots every time because that would get old. So, like, you know, Zombieland, for example, you know, they do all these sorts of like creative Mm -hmm. kills or whatever. And because this is PG-13, you cannot show the blood. Even when he cuts off the chick's hand. Nope. Doesn't show it. It's a very bloodless movie. So another funny one, it was just like when a practical one where you don't think about is when he hits the zombie in the head with the crowbar and then another zombie's coming at him. He's like trying to pry it from the skull of the first zombie. Yes. And I'm like, yeah, you wouldn't think about that. But like that probably would happen if you had a, a crowbar. So. And that's exactly the kind of zombie stuff we are looking for in these movies. Right. So at least we got a breath of it, you know? Yeah. And guns are too loud. I like that they, again, to avoid the yeah. just headshot every time. It's like that because they notice sound, you can't use the gun uh, nope. all the time. Last resort. Exactly. They try to explain the reason why they're not doing certain things that I know were too expensive. And I approve of those explanations. <laughs> right. Give me some special features of behind the scenes stuff before we get out of here. All right. Yeah, we'll speed run through these. Okay, at the time, I thought this was interesting. This was the highest grossing film of Brad Pitt's career, which like, I guess it kind of surprised me because you just think like he's such a movie star, but yeah, did very well. The uh, the Israeli military intelligence does have a devil's advocate office to explore worst case scenarios. Okay, which like they explain, but it's in the movie, they call it the 10th man doctrine, but it's not called that in real life. So 
I thought that was interesting too, where it's like, so that's why, you know, one person had to believe it was a zombie and investigate. And that's why. So it's like, again, try, trying to explain off the believability aspects in every way that they can. Let's go. <laughs> the director, Mark Forster, states that he prefers the extended unrated cut of the film, which I don't know if I've seen. I, the one I had, um, I have a digital copy of it. I'm pretty sure it was just the PG-13 version because there was no blood whatsoever. I'll take it. For him, it's just about the addition of blood and gore and the intensity compared to the PG-13. He says that although he's proud of the theatrical he felt a bit handcuffed when trying to deliver the toned down version. Same. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Going from rated R to PG-13 is a really big leap. I know people probably think that it's a small one. Yeah. But it, it's actually like <laughs> enormous. Exactly. It's it's It makes a difference. And it's it's like watching a slasher, PG-13 slasher. I'm like, it automatically raises some red flags for me where I'm like, all right, like, we'll see. Yeah, we're mostly going to be saying shit. There will be no blood. <laughs> for example, recently, Megan, which I did like. But if Megan was rated R, let's go. Might have put it up above a little bit more. Just saying. It would have been pretty <laughs> yeah. nasty. Yeah, maybe maybe we'll get a sequel with Megan. I really actually do hope they make one. I think they did greenlight a sequel. Okay, good. But I, I doubt it's gonna be R because Blumhouse loves their PG thirteen or but what I don't know. It's true. I mean they do do it well, so there's that. Yeah. Last two here, Brad Pitt set up his involvement in the film. The whole thing started because I just wanted to do a film that my boys could see before they turn 18, one that they would like anyways, and they love a zombie movie. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I guess he does do a lot of Radar R movies, to be honest. Like That's true. Yeah. I, I kind of was thinking about it. Like, maybe that, that does kind of track. Yeah, because I'm like, is he in any kids' movies as like a voice actor? I don't... Not really. Oh, oh, uh, Megamind. He was in Megamind. See, I, don't, I don't think I've seen that. <laughs> It was a long time ago. And then last one here, the rewrite. So this, again, this is what we're talking about. was almost 60 pages long, cost an additional $20 million more. In addition to the new opening and the rewritten third act, the following snippets were added by Drew Goddard, Damon Lindelof, and Christopher McQuarrie. Ooh, let's go. Doing uncredited, uncredited dialogue sharpening. So the family breakfast, the TV news report of the zombie sighting, Rachel's asthma attack. And then uh, Jerry's phone call to Karen from South Korea to Jerusalem. Oh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oof, man. If only I could be a fly on the wall in some of these insane meetings and in some of these insane yeah. writer spaces. Like it just how movies get made at all is a miracle sometimes. <laughs> it's a miracle. It really is. I know. You know, just seeing the new Transformers movie. And I'm just like the fact that this became a franchise and it just started off as like a little boy's like toy line like of like this car turns into a robot and then now there's like yeah. eight movies or whatever. <laughs> miracle miracle for sure it's amazing it really is all right, so that wraps it up. Where can the people find you, Shani B? So you never miss a minute of the action. Please follow the show at Action Movie Buffs on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And me personally at It's Me, Shani B on all those platforms as well. All right, yeah, and then subscribe to the podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts um, at Action Movie Buffs and also YouTube um, where we live stream um, and then also re-upload uh, the edited versions later. Uh, make sure to give us a review. Five stars, five stars, five stars, please. Follow me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit. And then all my movie pages are at Misfit underscore Minded. Thank you again for listening, guys. We'll catch you next time for another edition of Movie Buffs. Stay buff.